morning. My name is Sarah, and if I haven't met you, I would love to. Uh, this morning, I have the privilege of speaking in this fearless series, and I want to talk about captive fear. Today, it is my hope that I can show us that our fears could be keeping us from fullness. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you didn't have fears holding you back? As I was preparing for this message, I was hit with some ridiculously rude realities. First of all, God made it clear to me that as a leader, I am actually called to practice and live out what I would be speaking on. Otherwise, it would be false to you who are listening. So God addressed my fears. Not only did he reveal to me what I fear, but he also revealed to me why he doesn't want to see me stay settled there. The greatest lesson I learned is that fear robs us from truth. The truth of who we are, the truth of who God is, and the truth of who we otherwise might not be if we never took the step of faith into our fear to find out. This morning, I want to try to unfold this truth for us. But in order to do that, I think it's essential that we all recall a time that we have had great courage and faith to overcome a fear. Because this conversation is uncomfortable. It could invite tension and anxiety, and I'm going to be vulnerable with you about my own fears. So please, let us seek truth together with our hearts prepared. Take a moment to think about what you fear. Really, think about it. Write it down if you want to, but give it a name. Some of us in the room have done a lot of work in the area of fear. Some of us have never really thought about what it is that creates fear within them. Some of us might say that they don't have any fears. And some of us could go on and on about them. I don't know what it is that creates fear within you. Maybe you don't either. But what I have learned from facing a fear of my own is this. You won't know the depth of deception that is hiding the truth, what fear has kept you from, until you have faced it in faith with Jesus to overcome. Fear is deceiving. Your fear deceives you until you have faced it, until you have named it or called it out. You won't know the depth of your deception, how fears have deceived you until you have battled them. This morning, I want to talk about captive fear. It's interesting what I discovered as I was preparing for this message. It's almost as if voicing your fear, saying out loud to yourself or to God, maybe even to another person, persuades your soul to confront them. I believe that when we can boldly announce our fears, a way is made for the Holy Spirit to come speak to us truth about them. I'm trying out this new thing here. 
But to really find out what we are afraid of, we must be vulnerable. And that's the hardest thing to do. I have found that for the most part, we have come a, become a people who have slowly become fearful of talking about fear. We're afraid of fear. This made it really hard for me to gauge the fear in the hearts of others as I was preparing for this message. So God focused on mine. You see, God did not want me standing up here without facing a captive fear of my own. In fact, the fear that I have competes with me right now. I've confessed to you once before that fear of man competes with my faith. I'm terrified of you. I fear that what I have to say this morning will be completely rejected or not well received. I'm afraid of sharing what God has placed on my heart because it could make people uncomfortable. So even now, I stand facing a fear, but fully protected in God's armor and totally dependent on him. I wouldn't have it any other way. Some of you may know that about two years ago, I got married, and very shortly after, I found myself as a divorced woman. Since then, I have been working hard with Jesus to heal from that traumatic wounding. Jesus and I have built a solid foundation, and I was honestly scared of anything that might shake the person I have become, especially my ex-husband. For the last two years, I have been enslaved to this captive fear. I have been terrified of physically standing in front of the man who left me brokenhearted. I was afraid of falling back into that valley again, that depressed state, only overwhelmed by unhealthy habits. I was afraid, of, I was afraid that seeing him could open that door again, the door to those suicidal thoughts and feelings. I was terrified about how I might feel if I actually battled what I feared. But here's where God steps in. He revealed to me that in fact, I was enslaved to fear bondage. I was completely horrified of another human being. But God did not want to see me stay stagnant and settle in that fear. He led me to find dependence on him, and he taught me to protect myself in his armor, to go back through with him and challenge what I feared. He didn't want me to be robbed of the truth any longer. I was trying to figure out how to buffer this next thing I want to say, and so this is me buffering that. <laughs> so here's what I want you to know. Fear is a tool that is utilized against us by the enemy to cause us misery and destroy our hope and our peace, to rob us of truth. The fear usually begins as a thought that then can develop into an emotion that then rules us. 
It often becomes a strong, intense feeling that tries to move us to act foolishly or prevent us from doing something that might be good for us. Fear is Satan's way to keep us from walking in faith with Jesus. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you didn't have fears holding you back? Fear is Satan's greatest tool used to manipulate us to keep us out of God's will. This morning, I want to help open our eyes to a perspective of spiritual warfare, to the realness of the spiritual battle that we enter into when we proclaim our faith in Jesus and actually follow him. If this is the first time that you are learning about spiritual warfare, or if you have questions about it, please do not hesitate to have a conversation with someone who you view as spiritually mature, because spiritual warfare is real. And this morning, it is my hope that I can equip us to fight this battle with proper protection and totally dependent on God's strength. The devil wants to keep us paralyzed in fear of what the Holy Spirit has impressed on our hearts to do. The experience I had with becoming a deserted wife influenced my, perspe my perspective of truth and gave way for the devil to speak into my thinking and twist an enormous fear into my mind. He loved it. I had perceived that my fear of man was reasonable and understandable. Throughout this conversation, have you been able to recognize places that you may be sealed up in fear? Have you found yourself reasoning with a fear? When it comes to fear, our spiritual battle is not meant to be fought against that person that we fear, the place, the thing, or the idea that we fear. The spiritual battle was not against my ex-husband although I feared him. The spiritual battle is always meant to be fought against the one who has been hiding behind the fear the whole time, and that's the deceiver. Because fear is a spiritual combat, not a man-to-man -man one. Did you know that the devil prowls and paces this earth planning always and only to steal truth, kill, and destroy any way for us to walk in faith. Satan takes great delight when he finds a foothold in our souls, and he often finds that place to be our fears. But don't be discouraged. Ephesians 6, 10, 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, 
Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. About three weeks ago, I faced my fear of man. I can't believe I did it. But I knew that before I actually went through with it, I needed to be completely dependent on God and put on all of his armor. Otherwise, I would have fallen on my face. I also knew that I needed some serious encouragement. The Holy Spirit led me to meditate on the fears that Jesus had. He is our example. If Jesus could face his fear, I could face mine. Jesus had fears. He was fully man. This is how I pictured Jesus facing his fear of God's wrath. Jesus was totally committed to facing his fear of death upon the cross and drinking in God's cup of wrath. Listen to this description that I found in the glory of the Lamb. See the lake of fire, empty on the innocent one. As hell flames down and wave after wave of punishment crashes against the Lamb, understand that this is not simply the wrath of one person's hell. This is the accumulated hell for all humanity. From Adam to the last person conceived on earth, Adolf Hitler to Saddam Hussein to you and to me. Jesus is taking our punishment for sin. Jesus faces his fear in Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began, this is Jesus, he began to feel sorrowful and troubled. Have you ever felt that way? Then he said to them, Jesus' words, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Has anybody ever said that to you? Or have you ever wanted to say that out loud about something that you fear? Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. I said something similar to this before I faced my fear. I did not want to do it. Here Jesus begins to take those two steps forwards, but the one step back. This is where Jesus begins to sweat his own blood. He does not want to endure God's wrath. He is terrified to the point of death. Jesus is so distressed. But here comes the step forward. Not as you will, but as you will. Jesus is placing complete confidence and dependence on his Father, and he trusts that he will be protected by his promises. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, the step back. May your will be done. Those two steps forward. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. A step backwards, two steps forward. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus sprints forward. Another scripture that God led me to before I faced my fear was Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I love this scripture because it gives me a great visual. The Lord himself goes before you. He's standing with me, but he goes before me. He turns around and he looks at me. He's already crossed over that bridge. The Lord himself goes before you. He outstretches his hand to you. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Come over the bridge. I'm already standing over here. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord himself goes before you to prepare the way and to direct. He will be with you. He will accompany you in all of your actions and assist you in all of your journeys. He will never leave you or forsake you, so we must expect that he won't disappoint. We can't expect too much of him. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. He knows that without him, we can't do anything, and therefore he will continue with us in everything. And with such a manner that the power to face our fear will appear to be of him and not us. Through God, let us do fearlessly, for through him we shall do victoriously. I want to make certain that we don't leave from here running into our fears without first finding dependence on God. Stay with me here. Fear keeps us from living the life we were created to live, and it keeps us from the person we were created to become. Special emphasis on become, because that's the point. We weren't born into who we are. We grow into who we were meant to be, which is holy and dependent on God. Fear keeps us from this change. What fears have you addressed and overcome? What did faith in those fears do for the person that you are now? And if you had a relationship with Christ, what did they do for that relationship? Can you imagine what your life would be like if you didn't have fears holding you back? I often ask myself, why are we so afraid of transformation? So afraid of the reality of being unholy? in need of healing, saving, and newness. I think it has a lot to do with being independent 
and striving for that independence. As a culture, I believe we fear dependence. Why? What went wrong? You see, God created us to depend on him. He designed us to continuously need him and delight in that neediness. Living any other way disturbs the harmony between us and God. There is always joy to be found in his presence because he has promised never to leave us or forsake us. Living independently or apart from God keeps us from harmony, robs us from truth, and steals joy. I also want to make certain that we don't go from here confronting our fears without first putting on God's full armor. He gives us armor so we can be protected. He doesn't want us going into battle without it. So put on his armor. Ephesians 6, 14 through 17, it's in your bulletin, or you can just watch the screen. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The truth that he is yours and you are his. The truth that God will protect you when you face your fears with him. The truth that we can fight the enemy when we are standing firm with God. Stand firm, then, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The breastplate helps us stay rightly related to God by being in a humbled position. It gives us the protection that we need to make judgment calls, not judge people. Protecting ourselves in his righteousness is more than being able to discern right versus wrong. The breastplate of righteousness provides integrity. Stand firm, then, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Fitting our feet with peace provides us protection as we confidently walk his way. When we look to the Prince of Peace, we realize that he is undisturbed by our fears. And then we find shalom in the midst of what we're battling. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith protects us as we walk back through because Jesus is the shield of faith. He is our first line of defense. The shield of faith is his person, his blood, his righteousness, his sacrifice. Jesus deflects the arrows that are being thrown at us. When we battle our fears, Satan will throw darts of doubt and worry to our way. And the only time they hit us is when we drop our shield. When we stop believing that God is in control. That he is working everything out for our good. That whatever happens is for the ultimate best of everyone involved, however little it may seem to be that way. Stand firm, then, and take up the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation protects and delivers us from danger or evil, especially from all that is separating us from God. Salvation is based on Jesus' death and resurrection. There's nothing we can do. We are saved in this battle, 
We are currently being saved in this battle, and we will be saved. Stand firm, then, with the sword of the Spirit, with which you can... with. The word of God, sorry. The sword of the spirit is our only offensive protection. Did you notice? All the other armor is used for defense. We are to use God's words, and in order to do that, we must know them. God has put his word in our hearts so it might come out of our mouths as we battle deception and battle our fears. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you didn't have fears holding you back. Now, I mean to encourage us when I say that our armor does not do a very good job of protecting our back. And I think for two reasons. One, because we are called into this battle. We aren't called to turn away, because if we turn away, we might get a spear in our spine. Also, it doesn't protect our back very well, because I think that's Jesus' job. Battling fear requires complete abandon to our flesh, but total reliance and confidence in God and his promise that he will always be with us. When we cower in fear, instead of stepping out in faith, we actually bury the work that God is trying to show us he's doing. When we step out in faith and battle our fears, from my experience, God shows up in such a unique way Here's how he showed up for me. When I was actually standing in the presence of my fear, this human, I felt God's presence overpowering the situation. Everything was brighter. I felt as light as air, but totally and completely grounded and secure. I felt strong. I knew Jesus was standing right next to me and guiding my heart. He was putting his armor on me as I was facing my fear. He was guiding my words as if some of them were his. He showed up in such an extraordinary way, for me at least. It was surreal, like nothing I had ever experienced as I stood before my greatest fear, a fear that has kept me captive for the last two years, a fear that has made me cry out, take this from me, I don't want to be alive. All I had in my heart, <laughs> this is crazy, all I had in my heart was love and acceptance for the situation and for the person. God's perfect love was protecting me and ruining my fear. All I wanted was healing for us both, and God wanted me to find truth. I found out two truths. The depth of deception that I found myself in was ridiculous. When I faced my ex-husband, he was able to be completely honest with me, and I learned that I had been lied to. For the last seven years, seven years, he revealed to me that he never loved me the way that I loved him. Not ever. 
His truth was so painful, but God's truth was healing. The sacred experience of being mutually loved by someone is something that I have yet to know. God has protected that kind of love, and because of his grace, I get to share it with the man he designed for me for the very first time. It had not been wasted like I thought it had. God's truth blessed me with renewed hope because of the fear that I faced. I learned that challenging my fears can bring healing to traumatic woundings that may have caused the fear in the first place. I learned that truth heals. I learned that my fear of man was robbing me from receiving God's blessing of truth. I learned that fear held me back from experiencing God's presence in a grander way. I want to conclude with reminding us of a couple of promises before we even begin to think about facing our fear. Jesus gives us courage. Our courage to face fear does not come from within inside ourselves. It is something that we have access to because of Jesus' presence in our lives. And Jesus gives us his peace. As a result, we don't need to rely on our circumstances aligning just right before we are free of fear. Even in the most difficult situations, Jesus promises to give us a peace that allows us to stand strong no matter what fear we are battling. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you didn't have fears holding you back? Please pray with me. Father, I want to take this opportunity to pray Psalm 23 over the people in this room. The Lord is our shepherd. We lack nothing. He makes us lie down in green pasture. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He guides us in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort and protect us. You have prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies, in the presence of our fears. You've anointed our heads with oil. Our cups are overflowing. Surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our lives. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.